Welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast. My name's Ray Lovegrove and I'm here in my homestead in the forests of southern Sweden. And I'm sitting here just talking to you. There's no script. I've got a few words jotted down. I've got a fire crackling away in the background. I've got some cats here and I've got a cup of tea. And uh, if you haven't got a cup of tea, well, perhaps you might like to go and get one. If you're driving a car, that's going to be a problem. So don't worry. But it's uh, it's very informal. I just want to talk about a few things. It's pretty one-sided. But you can always leave comments here or on social media and I'll get back to you. Now, the last episode was about shopping. And I know that a lot of you are thinking that shopping isn't a particularly radical act. Everybody does it and everybody knows how to do it. Well, you're right, and I'm not telling you what to do, and I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just throwing a few ideas at you for you maybe to look a bit more closely at what you do and how you do it. In the last episode, we touched upon what to do at the supermarket, how to make sure that what you're buying is A, ethical, B, cheap, and C, has recyclable packaging and has a minimum effect on the environment. Because those are three things we want to keep in mind. Now, as economic problems beset the world, people are more and more concerned about saving money. And I spoke about oatmeal to porridge last uh, episode. And really, that was an example of almost everything you buy. If you think about it very hard, you may be able to find ways to simplify what you buy and to buy a raw product that you cook yourself. And I know energy to cook things is expensive too, So we've got to think more carefully about what we buy and what we cook and how we cook it. That's the way life has turned out for all of us. There are also some among you who think that shopping isn't really a radical act and that shopping is merely the process of going to the shops, finding what you need, taking it back home and consuming it. And to those people, I'd like to... um, help them think of the idea of shopping as the only real way you have to spend your money. And let me illustrate that a little bit. You get some money. Maybe you don't. I know a few people that don't have any income whatsoever and some of them are written books and therefore made lots of money. So it's everybody needs money. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But when you get your money either from tax or from benefits if you if you need them or from pension or from investment i'm not sure many investors listen to this but if you do you'll get some income from that you are taxed on it now you're taxed on it in every country on earth you pay tax and the super rich spend all their time trying to avoid paying tax but to most of us we have no say in it we just pay it I get a tax return every year and I fill in whatever sources of income I've got and they tax me on it. And being in Sweden, that tax level is quite high. But then the benefits of paying tax in Sweden are much higher. We we have free health, free education, free social care, um, all of these things, free university education, uh, grants paid to students. My 16-year-old actually gets an allowance paid to him uh, from the from the state for being at school. So we pay tax, more tax than some places, but we get more back than some places. 
But we don't have any say, whatever country we live in, we don't have any real say where tax money is spent. We might like to think we're paying our taxes and we think, oh, that's good because it's being spent on health provision and education and helping the needy and pursuing great environmental causes like reducing the amount of carbon dioxide put into the atmosphere. But it's always a shock and a surprise and a discouragement to see how our tax money is actually spent. If you Google your country and look at where your the percentage of where your taxes go to, you may be disappointed and distressed and even angry that so little of the money you spend on tax gets spent on the areas you'd like to see it spent in. That's not the same. I'm not arguing against paying tax. I'm not one of those people, I think. To live in a society, you have to pay for it. But we don't have any real say. We might be able to go to the ballot box every now and then and vote in another government. But chances are that's not going to affect how our tax money is spent. We are powerless. We're powerless to determine what that money is spent on. And therefore, as soon as we pay the tax, it is no longer our money. It is somebody else's. And the same thing goes if we're paying off loans. If you have a mortgage or if you took out a loan to buy a car or anything whatsoever, or even haven't paid off your credit card this month, you are paying money to banks. Now, again, that is starts off as your money, but as soon as the banks get their hands on it, it is their money. If you get an overdraft and they charge you for it, they make money and they use that money in all kinds of ways that you might not like. It's a very good idea. Again, wherever country uh, you, you happen to be banking, wherever that is, you can check up on where that bank invests its money. And you may be surprised that large numbers of banks invest money in things like tobacco. They invest money in gambling. They invest money in all sorts of things that you personally might not want to have your money invested in. But unless you're very careful about choosing an ethical bank, um, that's going to happen. So again, it's your money, you're paying your mortgage, but you have absolutely no say on where that money goes. But when you go to the shops with your cash or your credit card in your pocket, that's the only time you have real power. That's the only time you have real power to take money from your pocket and decide where you want it to go. So that is why shopping is important. Now, in the last episode, that would have been episode 10, we spent a lot of time talking about food shopping, food and toiletries, the kind of things that you need to pick up every week, month, or however often you go to the supermarket, or maybe you don't go to a supermarket, you go to some local store or somewhere like that, and you spend your money and you bring the stuff home. We mentioned farmers markets as being an alternative. Street markets are also an alternative to supermarkets, and some of these uh, are very, very good indeed but it does depend on your geography. Um, I'm told by all sorts of sources that farmers markets started in Sweden, but there's not a lot of them. They may have started here, but they certainly not here in any great numbers now. Whereas I know more populated parts of the country in, in North America, in, in the cities of Australia, in other European cities, farmers markets work well. So do use them. And about food shopping in general, before we move off from the topic, um, 
Don't forget a few simple things that make a big difference to the environmental impact of your shop. A. Take your own bags. Take bags and reuse them. Keep bags in your car, keep bags in your bag, keep bags in your pocket, folded up, whatever. But don't go shopping without a bag because then somebody will have to give you one or sell you one. And if by some strange circumstance you haven't got a bag with you, and normally when that happens to me it's because I haven't taken enough shopping bags out with me and they get filled up and then I'm, I'm deficit in the bag department, make sure you buy paper bags or you're given paper bags. Refuse plastic bags. In many parts of the world, um, plastic carrier bags are illegal, single-use carrier bags, and so they should be. And use a sack. And if you do use a paper sack or a, a, a paper carrier bag, use brown paper because that's been pulped down and recycled and it's a lot less trouble than white paper carrier bags which have been bleached. So take the brown ones, buy the brown ones if you have to buy them. And when you've got them, you can use them for other things. You can use them for recycling. You can use them. I use them as fire lighters sometimes when they get past being used as a bag anymore. Dry them off and they make a very good fire lighter. Now, some of the other options that are available to you for food shopping include things like delivery and pickup. Should you get your groceries delivered? Well, I don't have a car and uh, so I do sometimes get my deliveries picked up by, by, by somebody else, uh, a friend who will pick them up for me and bring them here. And that's fine. Um, you can shop carefully online just as carefully as you're walking around the shop. The same kind of rules apply. Keep your list. Walk the full length of the counter before you make your choice, as my mother used to say. She was full of these little anecdotes to help her through life. Walk the full length of the counter before you make your choice. She was talking about partnership forming, I'm thinking, but I don't know. She may have been talking about shopping. Um, and shop online, look at the prices. Sometimes it's better because you can think carefully. And one of the things you can do if you're shopping online is if you've got all your things in the basket at the end, you can have a look at the cost and say, I didn't want to spend that much this week. And you can go through and you can change things. You can say, I've ordered three of those. I'm going to go down to two. I'm going to miss out on that. I'm going to reduce the weight of that I'm buying. And then you can bring the total down to something you can afford. So in many ways, that's a good idea. And you might think, well, I have to pay a delivery fee. But if you live a long way from a town, that delivery fee might be um, less than you'd pay on petrol to do it or gasoline to go and get it. So it's worth thinking about. It does save time too. Now, um, I 95% of Sweden has its food delivered. Guess who's in one of the 5% of places that doesn't? Yeah, it's me. Nobody delivers here, so that just isn't an option I have. Some people are keen on coupons. And the only thing I'd say about coupons, if it's a coupon for a product you use and you were going to buy anyway, use it. If it's a product that you don't use and you weren't going to buy anyway, you're not saving money by using that coupon. You're having somebody else tell you what to spend your money on. So, yeah, look at coupons, get them, but only use them for things that you wanted to buy anyway. It might encourage you to try a different brand of something. If it's uh, if you wanted to buy cornflakes and you get a coupon for a different brand of cornflakes that you normally try, 
you might want to do that but watch them very carefully because sometimes even with the coupon the product isn't as cheap as its competitors um, so watch coupons carefully I know for some of you it's more a way of life than a, um, <laughs> a minor thing watch how you're spending on those if you're trying to save money if you're incredibly rich and wealthy and it doesn't matter I don't need to give you that advice but then you're probably not in need of coupons anyway okay now in this episode I want to turn our attention if I can to another form of shopping and this form of shopping nobody can doubt has enormous environmental consequences it is the process of buying things secondhand now once upon a time you could divide people into those people that would buy secondhand things and those people that wouldn't so those people that do buy secondhand things are probably evolved with the process and they know that secondhand goods are, are worth having and worth looking at those of you who have objections to buying things secondhand need to look closely at why your objections stand now I'm going to start talking first of all about clothing and I will admit to you that I'm a, a plain dressing person and my main expenditure on clothing is jeans and shirts and jackets underwear I don't buy secondhand and uh, I'm not sure many people would ever dream of doing that I don't but outerwear I do and sweaters so do I buy those things secondhand yes um, I'm sitting here talking to you today with a secondhand shirt, a secondhand sweater, a secondhand jacket, and a secondhand pair of jeans. I can't get my shoes in secondhand because my size is enormous and uh, it's a rare thing, but I would have no objection to it. Now, where do you buy your secondhand clothing from? Well, you can buy it from thrift stores charity shops they will be called in UK and I'm not sure about other places in the uh, in the world and they're fine and you can go there and you can look at them and that's okay now the joy of buying things from a charity shop or a thrift store is that quite often the money you spend goes as a charitable donation so if you go in and buy a pair of jeans from in the UK from an Oxfam shop the money goes to Oxfam to help them uh, fund some of their causes. I've got to pause now because there's a cat wants to come in. I'll be back. So if you buy your jeans from a charity shop, you help the environment because nobody's had to make a new pair of jeans for you. Sorry, I've got to do something else now. The cat that has just come in is fairly determined to get on the keyboard here. So I'm gonna put, I have a cover built by me to go over the keyboard stop cats ordering things online basically um where were we yeah second hand if you buy a pair of jeans from a charity shop you do yourself a favor a you get a pair of jeans for a much cheaper price than you would have paid for them in the first place the charity shop gets a donation from you in the money you paid for the jeans the pair of jeans that somebody hasn't wanted anymore doesn't go to landfill and the factory making jeans doesn't need to use resources making a new pair of jeans because the world has thousands of pair, hundreds millions of pairs of jeans floating around that nobody wants so all of those 
things are helping the environment, are helping people who need charitable support, and are helping you maintain your wardrobe at a, at a reduced cost. That, to me, is win, 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 win. It's a four times win, and so it's got to be a must. Now, if, you say, if you're saying to yourself as you're listening to this, I wouldn't wear secondhand jeans, you have to ask yourself why not. Are you worried that they are dirty in some way? Well, if they are, you can wash them. You can put them through a washing machine and they will come up fine. If there's any dirt on them, it will be gone. Are you worried that the person who donated the jeans in the first place may not have had the best personal hygiene or may have been a heavy smoker? And the... Well, again, you can look at the clothes in the shop. You can smell the clothes in the shop. Do that. Your nose is your best friend when buying secondhand. And again, you can wash them. It's not a problem. Now, you might think that secondhand jeans are old and worn out and they're no longer going to be any use and they won't last you as long as a new pair would. Well, I think you're wrong. The main reason people donate clothing to charity shops is not because it's old and tatty and they don't want it anymore. It's simply because it doesn't fit them anymore. If they're children and children's clothing is well worth buying secondhand, they're properly grown up. So it comes to October. We're talking Northern Hemisphere here for a minute. Um, it's October. You take your child to the cupboard where you keep the winter coat. You try their winter coat on. It doesn't fit anymore. It's a perfectly good winter coat. It may have only got a few months of wear, but it has to go to the charity shop. That's fine. A pair of jeans you put on a bit round the waistline and therefore you can't fit into those jeans that you bought last year. So you get them to a charity shop. So the vast amount of clothing that goes to a charity shop is in fact very good quality clothing. I sometimes find items there that have still got the original price label on from the store where they were purchased originally. And the reason is somebody's bought them and then put them in their cupboard, decided they don't like them or they don't fit properly when they come to try them on, or they're a present they've given to somebody who really doesn't care for that kind of gene, and they end up in a charity shop. So all kinds of things can be purchased secondhand. Now, I know you don't have to buy things from charity shops. You can buy things on an online sale thing like eBay. You can buy um, clothing from retro clothing stores. Well, you can do that. But that doesn't give you the four positives, it only gives you three positives because you're not giving any money to charity in the process of buying it. If that's what you need to do, then that's fine. But thrift stroke charity shops have that added advantage of giving money to people who need it, which is a very good thing to do. Other people object to secondhand clothing, and I've had this said to me, because I don't make any secret the fact I wear secondhand clothes. I, I, I have no respectability to lose I, my my uh, loyalty lies to uh, saving the planet and doing what I can do as we're all trying to do um, but people have said to me oh no because the clothing might have come from somebody that died well yes it could have done and if that worries you you can wash the clothing because death isn't contagious <laughs> well <laughs> it can be but not in these cases um, People nowadays accept things like heart transplants and liver transplants and corneal transplants and all sorts of skin grafts, all kinds of things. And that comes from somebody else. And quite often the person who's given up their 
uh, uh, their body parts is dead. So if we accept bits from dead bodies, surely we can take laundered clothing from somebody that's died. I have no problem with that myself. If you have a problem, examine your thoughts and, and see if there's a real barrier if you can manage to overcome it. Now, um, clothing for children, we said. The other thing I have to say, here in Sweden we have, and I know it happens in some parts of the States because people have told me, is we have clothing libraries. Um, if you go along to a clothing library with your children, it's only for children's clothes, I think, you can borrow a winter coat for them. You take it, you borrow it for that winter, you wash it and you give it back, and then the next year you go along and you get a larger size of winter coat and borrow that. It works for things like outdoor clothing. It also works because children in Sweden are always skating or playing ice hockey or skiing or something. It also works for sporting equipment. You can borrow your child a ski suit for that winter and then you can take it back, laundered, and you can borrow a different one the next year. That is an idea that has to grow. It's a wonderful way to save people money. So buying second-hand clothing is a very good idea. And you've got to look carefully. You've got to make sure nobody gave it away because there's a oily grease mark on the, the hem or something like that. Or the pockets. Oh, this one annoys me. When you find a really quite nice pair of jeans, you find somebody has cut the pockets out. Why do people cut the pockets out of jeans? I don't know, but they do. Um, the other really annoying thing buying second-hand clothing is some people, when they get clothing, they cut out the size labels. And so it's quite difficult to determine what size something is. You can try it on, but I mean, it's a lot easier to know if you're wasting your time or not to have a size label in there. So if you're the kind of person that cuts the size labels out of your clothing and then gives them to charity, please don't do that anymore, will you? That's kind. Thank you very much. I know I can rely on you. Now, as well as second-hand clothing, you can also buy second-hand furniture. I'm sitting here at a kitchen table. That was me knocking it. It's second-hand. I think it originally dates from somewhere around 1970. It's a pine table. It was sort of coated in something, which I stripped off when I got it. It cost me, I think, £20, which is a little over $20 when I first got it. And here I am decades later and it's still here and it'll properly see me out because wood, solid wood like that, doesn't go. If you buy new furniture, sometimes people go for um, some kind of, of product made out of a wood-like substance, MDF or something, which isn't real wood. Uh, wood furniture lasts a lot longer. You can repair wooden furniture. You can paint wooden furniture. You can strip wooden furniture. You can repair it. You can even, if it comes to the real end of its life, you can chop it up and burn it. Why would you not buy, want to buy wooden furniture? Why would you go for something that is plastic, that is going to sit around in the environment for thousands of years? Why would you want something made out of a composite of wood and plastic that can't be burned and can't be recycled and again is going to go to landfill. Stick to wood, buy second-hand furniture. My house here is full of second-hand furniture and it will last longer than new furniture. I have got kitchen units that I bought back in Britain when I was living there but they're made out of reclaimed wood. 
So again, that's another way of recycling. Think about these things and you can do it. People think, well, I can't get a full set of dining chairs all the same. It doesn't matter. Your need for matching dining chairs is a false kind of respectability. All my dining chairs are the same. Have mixed dining chairs. Many restaurants you go into now have mixed dining chairs. A chair is a functional thing. And if it looks nice, nothing looks nicer than a table surrounded by a group of chairs that don't match. And it's functional because people can choose the chair they feel most comfortable in because our bottoms aren't all the same. And sometimes people enjoy sitting in chairs that other people wouldn't. So matching chairs, forget about it. Mismatch your chairs. Buy them when you see them and you like them secondhand from a charity shop and you can sit on them for decades and decades and decades. They may outlive you. Um, so furniture is fine secondhand. And again, normally what you need to do is to wash it and to oil it. Now, crockery is the same thing. If you're running short of crockery, you could go to a department store and buy a new set of all matching crockery. So everyone around your table can be sitting, eating off the same plate. But that, again, is that kind of respectability, which isn't going to save the planet. Because what happens when you have six people and you realise you've only got four plates left? Get over the idea that crockery has to match. It doesn't. Crockery can be... You can pick up a plate because you like the look of the plate. Second hand, it's fine. Wash it. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't match the rest of your plates. No, I found the most important thing when buying plates is the size. Uh, it's no problem having plates of different designs. In fact, it's rather nice to do. But if you have plates that don't stack up, then it gets irritating. So try and, and, and get plates of the same size so they stack nicely. And if they don't match on the table, that is wonderful. Call it shabby chic if you like. Call it functional. Call it just being thrifty and looking after the planet before you worry about those respectable things like having matching crockery. Now, the same goes with cutlery. Most cutlery is available secondhand is fine. Some of it's virtually never been used because sometimes people buy a, get a set of cutlery as a wedding present or they have a special set for when people come and it gets very little use and then it ends up being given away. Secondhand stores are full of cutlery. You can go through it and find some lovely pieces for uh, uh, no price at all. And you can, again, it doesn't all match or that doesn't matter. It's functional. If it's a nice design, don't buy ugly cutlery, don't buy ugly crockery, don't buy ugly furniture, don't buy ugly clothing. Buy what you like, but by buying it secondhand, you are helping the planet enormously. And remember what we said at the beginning, shopping is where you can use your money to do what you want, unlike the other ways that your money gets taken from you and used in a way that you don't entirely approve of. Now... The other thing that I would fully recommend buying um, secondhand, we've mentioned clothing, we've mentioned furniture, we've mentioned crockery and we've mentioned cutlery. You can buy electrical equipment secondhand as long as it's been tested. So look for a little sticker on it which says somebody, a qualified electrician, has tested it and it's safe. And then again, it depends on what it is. Um, 
If it's something that's had lots of use, you're probably not going to get much use out of it, but you, you can do. Computers and phones are wonderful secondhand if they've been reconditioned by somebody who knows what they're doing. Lots and lots of businesses operate now who buy up um, laptops, mobile phones, uh, desktop computers, Chromebooks, all kinds of things, tablets. They get them back to a really decent standard and the cost may be a third of what you'd cost to buy it new and it may last almost as long as a new one will. I know a lot of there are people out there who every time a new model of an iPhone comes out, they buy it and get rid of their old one. I get rid of my electronic equipment when it is no longer functional, <laughs> when it will not work anymore, or I cannot get updates for it. Or no, it's, it's good. Second-hand electronics. Again, we don't want this stuff going to landfill. Uh, they can recycle and reclaim bits out of computers and mobile phones, but an awful lot of the bits they can do nothing with except dig a hole in the ground and throw them in. We can't get by in modern life without these things. We cannot communicate, we cannot bank, we cannot do all sorts of functions. So the best you can do is to run your equipment down into the ground, run it until it won't work anymore, and then find yourself something reconditioned to buy instead. That's the good environmental way to do it. But the last thing I will mention is tools. Now, tools are important. Way, way back in one of the first of these podcasts, I explained what the difference between a minimalist and a simple living person is. And the big difference is simple living people require lots of tools. Tools for gardening, tools for carpentry, tools for dressmaking, tools for weaving, tools for all kinds of things that they do because the act of simple living, especially the homestead kind of living, urban homestead, rural homesteading, homesteading requires you do lots of things yourself. And if you're going to do things yourself, you need the tools to do them yourself. Now, you can buy secondhand tools and they are better than new tools because if you buy a secondhand chisel, it's a wonderful chisel made out of tempered steel with a wood handle. You can take it home, you can clean it, you can sharpen it, and it'll be as good as new. That's much better than going to the shop and buying a modern chisel because the quality of the steel isn't as good anymore, I don't think. Uh, same with screwdrivers. An old screwdriver will last for decades. New ones, they tend to mangle up at the end after a while. But you can buy second-hand chisels, you can buy second-hand hammers, screwdrivers, saws. You won't have to sharpen them if they haven't been sharpened in the shop where you buy them. But you can buy all these things. Um, augers, gardening tools, trowels, forks, spades. If you're starting off gardening and you're starting off growing things, taking a trip to buy some second-hand gardening tools, you could get a shed full for less than the price you'll pay for a couple of new ones. And where do you find these? Well, an awful lot of them come up in auctions. If you live in a rural area, a lot of farmers or smallholders or homesteaders that have given up will auction off their stuff. And you can buy a big bundle of gardening tools sometimes quite cheaply. So do look round for them. If you go to rural barn sales and things like that, everyone goes inside to look for the valuable antiques and to see if they can find a Van Gogh that nobody's recognised or something like that. While they're all doing that, 
you pop round the back and look at what they've got leaning up against the barn because chances are there will be forks and shovels and rakes and hoes and all kinds of things that you can use in your homestead and will give you a lifetime of use and maybe will pass on to the next generation to be used then because as a final word I will tell you this nothing is getting cheaper nothing is ever going to get cheaper food the cost of sweet potatoes might go up and down at the time of year they're harvested but a garden fork or a sewing machine or a chisel is not going to go down it's only going to go up please do leave any comments you have I'm on Mastodon as Ray Lovegrove. I'm on Twitter as Ray Lovegrove. I'm on Facebook as Ray Lovegrove. I'll be delighted to hear from you. Or you can leave a comment here where you normally listen to the podcast. Do leave comments. Do rate the podcast on whichever platform you're listening. And do subscribe so you don't miss any. It's been nice having you here. um, And I hope to see you again next time. Okay. From the homestead here. Bye for now.